Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, my name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here at Bridgewater, and uh, I'm excited to dive into God's Word with you here today. So if you have a Bible, you can open it up. We're going to spend time in a couple places, but one of the places we're going to be is Galatians chapter 5. If you want to go there, you'll be able to follow along in a bit. If you don't have a Bible, it's okay. Don't worry about it one bit. We have a bunch of them out in the foyer. We would love for you to grab one. That way you can have one for yourself. You don't have to leave it here. You can take it with you. Now... Uh, that was pretty exciting, hearing Josh and everything he had to share, amen, right? That was good, right? Yeah, it's worth clapping over. I, can I tell you something I, that I am the most excited about being a part of this church for? One of the reasons, that was a weird way to say that, but one of the reasons I am most excited to be a part of this church. That video was filmed not that long ago, and just since that video was filmed, it is not true that we've seen 54 people trust Christ this year. We have seen 61 people trust Christ. Amen? Right? And um, to me, it was super encouraging um, to know that Scott and Wendy Bird and the Radcliffs have been praying, investing, and inviting in Charlie. You heard his story. Charlie's been coming for a couple months. We have been praying for Charlie, and I am just thankful for the work that God is doing. Amen? Yeah, so uh, we're, we're just, we're going to keep trusting God one day at a time and keep asking him to use us to change lives. Now, this morning, uh, we're going to continue. This is our last week in our series, This Is Us. This is really a series that's all about kind of what we believe and also what we are striving to do day in and day out. Because the reality is, um, you can say you believe something, but I'm not really convinced you believe it until you do it, right? So this is a series that's, that's about more than just what we believe. It's about what I am orienting my life to be all about day in and day out. It's what I'm striving, what we are going to strive as Jesus followers to orient our lives around. Now, um, here's the thing. You may have started coming during this series, and you may say, well, I'm, I'm not so sure what you're talking about applies to me. I'm, I'm not so sure where I stand on some of these things. I'm not so sure yet what I think about Jesus, so I'm not sure this really applies to me. There can be many different types of thoughts that go through our head when we start hearing about Jesus, but there are a couple of things that I've noticed as I've studied the life and the teachings of Jesus. Two of them really stand out to me that I want to address before we dig in. The first one is this. Jesus actually invited sinners to follow him. Jesus didn't go around looking for cleaned up, classy people. Jesus actually invited sinners to follow him. And so if you've been coming for a while, or maybe today's your first day, and, and you'd say, well, I'm not so sure about whether or not I can follow Jesus, because if you knew my past, and if you knew the truth about me, if you knew how messy my life is, you might say, well, uh, you, you, you don't belong, and I'm, I just want to tell you, in fact, I'm going to show you in a minute in the scripture, Jesus started with messy people, and I, I, I can speak from my own personal experience that he continued that with me. And he's continuing that here. Jesus 
started by inviting sinners to follow him. And interestingly enough, Jesus didn't go around looking for uh, just religious people or people who thought they were already good in following God. Jesus actually went a step further. He invited unbelievers to follow him. People who, who didn't believe, people who weren't sure about God, people who were pretty convinced that really all there was to life was just get up every day, go to work, provide for yourself, and enjoy life, and then go back home and go to sleep and do it all over again. Jesus invited unbelievers, people who weren't sure, to begin to follow him. And when he started, at about the age of 30, when he started his kind of public or outward-facing ministry, um, he gave a very clear invitation, and his invitation was not a religious invitation. It, it wasn't religious at all. You see, the thing, I mean, even in Jesus' day, and it's continued on to our day, religion was really a thing where, where people would say in religions and religious leaders would kind of say something like this, hey, clean yourself up and then come and join us. Or, or they'd say it like this, change and then you can join us. If you will change, just come on, just, just change your life and then join us. That wasn't the invitation that, that, that Jesus gave at all. In fact, Jesus' invitation was the opposite. Jesus said, join us and you'll change. Jesus said to a bunch of misfits, come on in, join us, come check it out, and I'm going to change your life. Don't believe me? Let me show you a story about a guy who was absolutely an outcast in his society and a guy that nobody liked, nobody wanted to be around. He was a tax collector, which meant he worked for the enemy, the Romans, okay? Rome was in charge over the nation of Israel at that time, and they were, they were, they were not seen as good people. And when you worked for the Romans, you were an enemy and you were a traitor. And not only that, you were a cheat and a liar because Rome said you have to collect this much taxes. Anything above that that you can collect, you get to keep. So guess what the tax collectors did? Anything and everything they could to cheat people out of money. Nobody liked them. And the story we're going to first open up with before we get to Galatians 5 is a story about people kind of like you and me who are pretty messy, who is a sinner, who is an unbeliever and really wanted nothing to do with God, really just wanted to make his money and go home. It's an interesting story. His name is Levi. In Mark chapter 2, we find the story of Jesus interacting with this guy named Levi. In verse 13, it says this, Jesus went out to the lakeshore again, and he taught the crowds that were coming to him. This is the Sea of Galilee. Jesus, most of his ministry took place in between, you know, kind of the Sea of Galilee and then all the way back down as far as, as Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is about in the center of the nation of Israel. And Jesus spent uh, most of his time in that 100, 120-mile range. And he's out at the seashore this morning teaching people. And then in verse 14, we read this. As he walked along, he's walking along the seashore, he sees Levi. Now, by the way, Levi has another name. He's known by another name in the Scriptures. His name in the Scriptures is Matthew. 
And if you're new to the Bible, you'll come to find out that later, in fact, about 30 years after this, Matthew would write one of the books of the Bible telling all about Jesus. Isn't that interesting? He saw a man named Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. So let's just revisit this again. Who is Levi? He's a traitor. He's a cheater. Nobody likes him. He's an outcast. So what does Jesus do? Well, Jesus says something to him. He says, go clean your life up. Matthew, get it together. Go tell everybody you're sorry and pay them back all their money. Then come and follow me and we're good. Hmm. Verse 15. He says, looking back up, verse 15, or verse, the end of verse 14, sorry. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. There's no, hey, Get yourself together. Come on. What are you thinking? Because you got to clean up what you mess up before you can begin to follow Jesus. No, that, that is not, it's not the, the approach. Jesus says, join me, and you'll change. And then in verse 15, he says this. The text tells us, later Levi invited Jesus and his disciples over to his home as dinner guests along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Uh-oh, what? He invited, I mean, you don't have to guess who he's talking about. Okay? He's talking about people who did whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted, with whomever they wanted. And now, they're sitting and they're chilling around the table with Jesus. There were many people of this kind among Jesus's followers. Can I get an amen? Now, look at the end of it. But a bunch of people, the religious people, got a little bit upset in verse 16, and it tells us, the teachers of the religious law who were Pharisees, they saw him meeting with tax collectors and other sinners, and they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such, and I love how the, the, the NLT says this, such scum. Hmm. And Jesus responds like this. When Jesus heard it, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Come on, wake up, friends. Sick people do. I've come to call those who think they are not to come, those, excuse me, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. So there are a couple of lessons that we take away right away from, from this interaction that Jesus has with Matthew or Levi, this tax collector, this guy who's a sinner and an unbeliever, and Jesus says, join me, come and follow me. And you're going to change. There's two things that stand out for me. Number one is this, okay? Two, two, two lessons that we're going to look at. The first one is this. No matter who you are, there is hope for a new story for you. Levi was well on his way to a broken and messed up life. And Jesus turned it around. I don't know who you are. I don't know every piece of your story. But I want you to know, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, there is hope for you. Number two, here's the big piece. Every single person has a next step. 
See, Jesus takes Matthew sitting at his tax collector's desk. And he says, come on. Come, follow me. And there may be some reason that you would tell me, you'd say, no, Aaron, you don't understand. I'm so messed up, my background's so bad, I don't believe, I'm not sure, I'm not convinced. You can give me every story in the book, but I'm telling you, Jesus has been in the business for 2,000 years of calling people just like you and me into hope and giving us next steps. So that's, that's the thing that we're actually going to talk about today, the fact that everyone has a next step. I have a next step I've been following Jesus at this point in my life for 36 years, and I continue to have, I know I don't look that old. I apologize. It's, it's true. Thank you. Thank you. No, <laughs> not true. <laughs> I do look that old. Um, uh, I have a next step, and so do you. The problem is, if you're anything like me, okay, if you're anything like me, I'm guessing you approach life change something like I approach going to the gym. How many of you like going to the gym? If you raise your hand, oh, I... um. That's great. Y'all are sick, okay? Can I tell you how I approach going to the gym? I think that if I go to the gym one day, and I'm there like one hour, I should go home, stand in front of the mirror, and be like, oh yeah. One time! I feel like I'm there one time, and I feel like, you know, these, these should grow, and my legs should be defined, and I should be able to go run 10 miles and be fine. I think that just because I went once, I should see marked improvement does anybody else ever kind of, let's just say, do you wish it worked that way? <laughs> I do. And the problem is I think sometimes we approach spiritual growth that way too. I spent one day in God's word. I spent one day praying. I, I made a change one day. I, I went to church one time. And I... I really feel like I should see like marked improvement instantaneously. The problem is random over time produces nothing. Consistent over time produces change. And I, I tend to think that in my spiritual life, like, everything should change immediately when I see problems, when I see temptations and struggles, when I see, you know, maybe an area that God's trying to stretch and grow me in. I feel like it should change immediately, and it doesn't. And the reality is this. We become more like Jesus one step at a time, one day at a time, one day after another. And I'm afraid that many of us get discouraged because we think it should happen quickly and we think it should have happened like, like, like last week or last month or last decade and it hasn't. And what I want to do today is I want to show you what God's Word has to say about how we change because you do have a next step and I want to show you how God provides for us. In Galatians chapter 5, God lays it out. 
And he lays it out not just for religious people. Remember, this is not just for religious people. God invites sinners and unbelievers. He invites all of us into the process. So no matter who you are, this is for you. Look at what it says. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Who's the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He he speaks into our lives. He tells us what's right and what's wrong. He tells us a way to go. Believers, when you put your faith in Jesus, He permanently indwells you, okay? And what Paul, the writer to, to the Galatians, is saying is, He's the one we need to listen to. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Can we just all be honest for a second? We do struggle with our sin nature, you know? It's a little bit like this, you know, 10 o'clock at night, I probably should be going to bed. I definitely don't want, need to eat at that point, but at 10 o'clock at night, I can think about the fact that there is ice cream with chocolate syrup, and it sounds really good, right? There's these cravings, and we all, we all have them in different areas of our lives. I'm not, please don't quote me as saying that eating ice cream and you know, whatever is wrong. I'm just telling you, it's a lot like that. We have cravings like that. What, what is Paul saying? Paul's saying, we need to learn to say yes to the Holy Spirit and let Him change us. In other words, he's saying, change happens when you say yes to the Spirit and you start saying no <laughs> to the flesh. This is when change happens. When I say yes to the guidance of the Spirit of God and I say no to to my own cravings. Someone may have torqued me off at work and I can feel the pull to speak up and... Right? What is that? It's an opportunity to change. To say yes to the Spirit and no to the flesh. You know, somebody cuts me off in traffic, somebody, you know, tells me I'm number one, somebody does whatever, whatever it is they do, what is that? It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to grow. You see, the Bible says that we are to put on the things of the Spirit and we are to put off, put off the things of the flesh. Don't believe me? This afternoon, I'll give you an assignment. Go and read in Colossians chapter 3. In fact, if you're taking notes, write that down. Go and read it. It's a letter to the, to the believers in Colossae, modern-day Turkey, and he talks to them about putting off certain things. And by the way, the things that you're going to find in that list are all the things that our world tends to embrace and celebrate. And so you're going to have to be countercultural. But we're to put those off, and then we're to put on the works of the Spirit. Now, look, look at what Galatians 5 continues saying. It says this, the sinful nature, verse 17, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. Listen, this may be news to you, and if it is, that's fine. You have a sinful nature inside of you. The world tells you, listen to your feelings, listen to your heart, let your conscience be your guide. Can I just tell you, it is terrible advice. Because you've been touched in every way by sin. And so have I. And if I listen to my heart, 
well, my heart can want some things that are pretty bad for me and others and my family and on down the list. Instead, we should listen to the Spirit. It goes on and says, and the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. In other words, you could have all kinds of good desires, but there's this battle going on. Who are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to the Spirit, or are you going to listen to the flesh? So here's the big question, okay? How do I know? How would you know? How do you know what is of the Spirit and what is of my flesh? How do I know? How can I tell the difference? Because life gets a little muddled and we're busy, right? And sometimes it's hard to figure everything out and our brains can get a little fuzzy, right? I mean, at least mine can. I don't know. Maybe y'all are better than me and that's fine, you know. But it gets hard to know. Well, thankfully, Paul, Paul tells us in the Scripture, he explains to us how to know the difference between what is of the Spirit and what is of the flesh. Look at what he says. He says in verse 19, in Galatians 5, verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, here are the results. This is what will occur when you listen to the flesh. Okay, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. In other words, continuing to just give yourself over to, to the desires of your flesh. He goes on from there and he adds to it. He says, idolatry. Now, idolatry seems like something that's just like ages and ages back where they carved things out of stone and they worshipped things made out of trees and, and all sorts of things. But the reality is anything that I put on, on the throne of my heart and that controls me is my idol, a.k.a. money, success, what people think of me, what they say about me, comfort, ease, boy, the list goes on and on. Idolatry, sorcery, hostility. Ooh, nobody's ever hostile in our culture, are they? Hmm, that's a fun one. What about the next one? Quarreling. People don't fight. That's why we have Facebook and social media, so we can all be friends. Jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition dissension, division. Boy, the church never has that. And he goes on. Verse 21, envy, desiring what somebody else has, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Isn't it interesting that we start off and we, we, we would expect to see sexual immorality. We would expect to see these wild parties. That's a word, that's a, a word that other translations call orgies. Okay, so, so you, you, you got these two things, right, and, and they're on the, on the ends, but in the middle of it, he's talking about being controlled by anger, he's talking about fighting, divisions, it's all the same. It all comes from one place, and it is not the spirit, it's from the flesh. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's not that what gets you in or out is these things. It's that when we are living controlled by these things, it's showing who's really got your heart. And when you trust Jesus, 
He's really got your heart. That's supposed to happen. It's not your behavior. It's not your birth. It's your belief that gets you in, but that's what changes us. That's why we say everyone has a next step. So the question is really for, for you, okay? If you look at your life right now and you look at what's going on, are you guided by your sinful desires? Are those things that were just coming up, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, are these things showing up at your work, in your home, in your parenting, in your marriage? Are these things showing up over and over where there's selfish ambition and dissension and division, where there's envy and drunkenness, comparison, wild parties, all sorts of things? Are those the things that are showing up in your life? Then I, I, I can just tell you, here, here's the thing. Your life is currently being characterized by listening to your flesh. And it's time for a change. And your next step might be to start saying no to your flesh. How do you know what is of the flesh? These verses. If it's producing these things, that's what's going on. Now, on the flip side, how do you know what is guided by the Spirit? That's what Paul addresses next. Now, be, before I give that to you, can I just say, if, if this is you and you go, you go, ooh, I don't like those verses. Well, first of all, nobody likes those verses because they're convicting. So, welcome to the human race, okay? You know, it's more than a party of one. We're all here. Now, here's the thing. The next step for you might be repentance, Repentance is acknowledge what you've been doing with, acknowledge that what you've been doing is wrong, agree with God, and start going the other direction. Please, I beg of you, you need to be killing your sin or your sin will be killing you, period. It will. I don't care if you're in here today and you're 13 or you're 83. I, I've dealt with, I've dealt with, you know, 90-year-old men who are still struggling with addictions to pornography. Do you know what that tells me? The problem isn't age. It's my heart. It needs to change. Now, I'm going to skip ahead to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. Let me show you Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. Here's what it says. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of of fruit. We talked about the results of the flesh. Let's talk about the results of the spirit, okay? This is what it produces in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience. And not just patience when it's easy to be patient. You know what I found? I can be patient with one of my children. I'm not as good when all three are pushing my buttons. Some of you have more than that. God bless you. Okay? Patience is hard. It's, it's not just when it's easy. Kindness, not just when it's easy. Goodness, not when, just when it's easy. Faithfulness, not just when it's easy. No. Then he goes on, he says, gentleness. Like, I'm not called to be a, a bull in a china closet, but I'm pretty good at being a bull in a china closet. 
She's coming in, and let me tell you how we're going to fix that. That's not gentleness. It's the opposite. Self-control. Knowing when to say no. There is no law against these things. You want to know if your life is controlled by the Spirit? Start looking at this. Love, joy, peace, patience, right? Kindness, gentleness, right? Woo! Last week we shared a quote that, that, I, that I came across that said, you know, if, from Dallas Willard, um, uh, a Christian speaker and author and pastor, he, he says, if you want to know if someone is growing in maturity, you're going you're gonna to see that they're going to be less irritable, you're going to find them complaining less, and you're going to find them more and more joyful or content. Oof. That's fun. So here's the question. Are you guided by the Holy Spirit? Is that you? Are you guided by the Holy Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Now, if you're here today and you are a Christ follower, maybe you're new to it, maybe you're trying to figure it out, let me just show you how Paul kind of ends this whole thing. And in it, he talks to us about what, what we can do to take steps. Because, again, you have a next step. And, and I have a next step. And there is hope. You, you're, not, you're not just stuck in that repeating time warp of doing the same things over and over. I don't care how many times you've done them. You're not just stuck there, okay? There is hope. In Galatians 5, verse 24, look at how Paul kind of ends this section. He says, those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. You know what he's saying? Say no. <laughs> treat my flesh like it's dead, which by the way, it did die with Christ. Sometimes I, <laughs> I get down on the floor and I start giving it CPR. You know, you're doing breaths and compressions and I don't know, are you supposed to do 15 to 1 or how many? I don't remember. I can never remember. But we all do it. When instead we're called to say no And to view our flesh as dead. Verse 25. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So, here's my question for you today. I've asked you a number of them. Are you, are you, are you living by the flesh or are you living by the Spirit? And, or is it some kind of amalgamous combination of both? Whatever it is, wherever you are, remember, Jesus has already made it plain who He's inviting in. And it's not religious people. It's not clean yourself up and come. It's join us and then you will change. Okay? That's what Jesus is doing. So regardless of who you are or where you've been, this is for you. But my question is this, what step do you need to take today? Because we are not, we, we're not playing games here, folks. This is, this is lives. This is families. This is, this is having impact on generations. You understand that? The decisions that I make will have an impact not only on you, but even more so on my wife and even more so on my children. 
And the decisions that you make will have an impact on you and other people and the people to come. So what step do I need to take today? Maybe, maybe it's saying no to the flesh. Maybe. Maybe it's time to take a step in your spiritual journey where you get out of the box and you start serving. At some point, as a Christ follower, God will call you to move from being a consumer to a contributor. At some point. And if that's you here today, maybe it's time to go to discovery class right after the service and learn about how you can get involved. Maybe the step has something to do with getting in a small group so that you have people who care for you and you can care for them and you have accountability. And good news, you can sign up for that today. It's simple. Or maybe as we go to two services next week, you need to grab somebody, bring them with you and start attending one and serving in one. Whatever it is, if God is calling you to say no to the flesh and yes to the Spirit, it's time to obey. So here's what we're going to do. This morning when you came in, there was sitting on every single chair a little thing that looks like this. And usually we only use this to deal with serving, but I want to ask you to use this for more than just serving today. You'll see listed on here at the top, it says next. And the point is we, we constantly call people here at Bridgewater to think about what their next step is because we believe that we change one step at a time, okay? But I want you to think beyond just the different ways that you can serve, and maybe the Lord has put something on your heart here today that it's time for you to take a step in. Down at the bottom, there's other information and interests and passions. I would urge you today, at a minimum, take this, write your name on it, and write down your next step. In fact, I'm going to give you a minute to do it. I'm going to give you a minute to do it, and we're going to stand right here. I'm going to stand right here. This is, this is that important. What step do you need to take? If your step involves... Needing some help, here's what I want to ask you to do. When you walk out of this room today, there's going to be two people at the doors. They're going to be holding little red buckets. I'm going to ask you to drop yours in there, and we're going to get in touch with you and help you today. Okay? Because you don't have to do this alone. Let me end by tell you, telling you about my friend. His name is Mike. 19 years ago, I met a guy named Mike. He showed up at our church in Kansas City and started coming to church, but really didn't want a whole lot to do with following God. My wife and I kept trying to spend time with him and his wife, and we couldn't break in. It just didn't, we weren't trying to break into their house. That was weird. We couldn't, <laughs> sorry, we couldn't, we couldn't seem to break through. There was a, a wall up. And then one night, I called Mike, and I said, hey, I got tickets to the Royals game. Do you want to go to the game with me? He's a big baseball fan. We went to the Royals game. I went to his house to pick him up. I was sitting on his porch waiting for him to get there because he got out of work late. When he pulled in, he walked out, got his mail, and walked up 
as he was walking up, he was going through his mail. He opened up a piece of mail, and he stopped in the middle of the driveway and broke down and started crying. Full-grown man, crying. And I'm like, what did I just walk into? I ran out there. I was like, dude, what's going on? He couldn't speak for several minutes, and he finally told me, he said, Aaron, I trusted Jesus when I was a teenager, but I have not been walking with Jesus. Yeah, we come to church. You could probably tell that we've held you guys like this, but here's the deal. I got arrested a couple months back for, for second DUI. I've got to spend a weekend in jail, and I'm losing my license for a year. Okay. Hey, Mike, God loves you right where you are. But it's time to change. And I got to watch Mike's life change drastically. He started taking it seriously. Within five years, we were watching him and his wife, who, whose lives got turned upside down by the grace of God, we were watching him and his wife create a, a children's ministry in the church we were involved in where they were pouring their lives in every single week into young people. And today, these people are some of our closest friends, even though we live 1,300 miles apart, because God stepped in and said, Mike, it's time to listen to the Spirit and not the flesh. And Mike took a step. I, I just wonder what your story is going to be. Would you pray with me? God, thank you. Thank you for loving us this much, for giving us the opportunity to take steps, for, for, for calling us to it in your word, for telling us how to do it, just to, telling us how to say no to our flesh and what to watch out for and, 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 and telling us what to say yes to and what that will produce. And so we know that when, when something is leading us more and more towards patience and love, and gentleness, that that is of your spirit. God, thank you for making it so clear. Please, help us. Help us to take next steps here today, God, I pray in Jesus' name.